Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right here is rested and recuperated <laughs> Nikki Kinzer. And so mindful. So mindful. Cleansed. Yes. So cleansed. Yes. Smoothied. <laughs> oh, so many smoothies. Oh, yes. Fresh back from your retreat and ready yes. to ADHD. And I, I love that we're talking about optimism. This is such a great topic to come from a retreat, a wellness retreat to come into optimism. Yeah, like I right. couldn't have asked for anything better. So, you know, I, so uh, eagle eared, is that a thing? Uh, Bat eared listeners, <laughs> is that what you say? <laughs> will, uh, will note that this is a, a little bit of a, of a sister episode because I, I did do an episode where I started diving kind of deep into the season's all the feelings episode uh, for the podcast on optimism. And I'm I just in terms of setup before we dig into the main thing and I do all the introduction, I said to you in a pri- in our our team meeting, I told you we were doing optimism and I don't think I finished the sentence before you said we have to do an episode on optimism. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> what happened to you in that in exchange? <laughs> immediate like yes this is what we're doing too pete right whether you like it or not yeah right (laughs) this is what we're doing you did the research i want to learn and and yeah no i think um i i i feel that it's something that's so important to highlight and to talk about and not you know it's one of those things that it doesn't come naturally for a lot of adhd years um, because of, you know, the shame and disappointment and frustrations that ADHD can bring. And, uh, but optimism, I think is something to explore because what we think, and this is going to come from my, probably a little bit off of this wellness retreat, Mm -hmm. but what we think, uh, really matters and how we respond to things matter. And we have that choice to, on how we respond. And, uh, you know, next week I want to talk about a class that I took, um, that was called manifesting joy and harmony. And I'll go more into that part next week, but I think it's just, again, having that, how are you going to react to this thing that's happening to you Mm -hmm. and how do you allow 
time to grieve if you need to, or time to feel whatever it is that you're feeling, but also how do you get back to optimism? How do you get back to feeling good and joyful about your life? And uh, I just don't think that this is a natural thing for a lot of people with ADHD. And yeah. I hope it will be, because I think if, if, if you can adopt it, I think it, it, it's so positive. Doing the research on this and, and figuring out how, what are the mental models around optimism and, and around an optimistic mindset? It turns out there's, there's a lot of research and it helped me put together a puzzle in the way I look at the world and the way I internalize events that, um, that, that was new to me. So I'm not saying this is new to everybody. You might have heard all this stuff, but it was new to me. And I hope it's new to enough of you out there that you get something out of it. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we do so that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and you'll get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list and we will send you an email with the latest episode each week. Connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. But to really connect with us, head into the ADHD Discord community. That's where we live. It is super easy to jump into the general community chat channel at TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord. If you do that, you're whisked over to the invitation and login page. And if you're looking for a little more, particularly if this show has ever touched you or helped you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars each month, you help guarantee that we continue to grow this show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more and join now. You're listening to this, you, you either have ADHD yourself or you're ADHD adjacent. So when I ask you if you remember your first truly great fidget, I bet you can put yourself back there. Maybe you have it in your hands right now. For me, that first one was actually my first fully metal fidget spinner. Well, today I want to tell you about your next truly great fidget. I am so excited to be able to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Stimara, makers of Stim Mags. Okay, what are Stim Mags? Stim Mags are high quality pattern based fidgets that feel incredible in your hand. They're designed by a neurodivergent team for the neurodivergent community for people just like us. But here's the thing I like Stim Mags way more than my spinner because it's so versatile. They're made to be more cognitively stimulating than other fidgets that might just, you know, be fun in your fingers. It's been super easy to master new patterns and the variability helps me better regulate my sensory needs from overwhelm to anxiety. You know, I do love my anxiety to focus whatever I need when I need it the most. But here's the thing, you don't have to take my word for it. See, the founder of Stimara, Cody Lukens, was on the show some weeks back to talk about, you know, ADHD entrepreneurship and the value of community and along the way introduced us to Stimmax. And since then, reports of our own community members have been flooding in with praise. I love my Stim Mags, one member says. The best Stim tool I've tried. I have two sets now. And straight to the point, another fantastic member says, oh, hell yes. Stim Mags. Now, Stim Mags are designed for adults. Unlike most of our fidgets, they are adult quality, easy to fit in pockets, carry them with you every single day. 
and we have a link all ready for you. Just head over to TakeControlADHD.com slash Stamara. That's TakeControlADHD.com slash S-T-I-M-A-R-A, Stimara. And listeners of the ADHD podcast will automatically get 15% off all orders. And dare I say, the timing could not be better. Stock up on your next truly great fidget and help your neurodivergent peeps with theirs this holiday season. Our great thanks to the Stimara team for sponsoring the ADHD podcast. All right, Nikki Kinzer. Yes. ADHD and optimism. It's rough. It's rough sailing. It is. Yeah. Uh, and so I want I want to start with just a quick review of the places where an optimistic outlook is challenged with ADHD. And mm, maybe best good to start with you when you are working with your clients. What do you see? in terms of how optimism is challenged? There's a very uh, strong internal critic that is uh, telling my clients that it's their fault, um, that they could do better, that they should do better. Why can't I do better? Um, when something goes wrong, it, it isn't so much, I'm going to learn from this, or I'm going to just understand why this happened and let it go. It's more of I'm going I'm going to take the worst case scenario mm -hmm. and run with it. And not only now that this happened, but this person, like let's say you're late to an appointment, uh, and the person says something that's sort of under or passive aggressive, right? Sure. And so now you're holding on to that. So that pessimism, pessim I can't say it. Pessimism. The opposite of optimism. <laughs> See, I can't even say the word. I, that's good. You go to your retreat, you <laughs> come back, good. you can't even say negative things. You've been reprogrammed. Right. I've been reprogrammed. Um, but it, but that's where they tend to to go is to that negative space, yeah. right? You, you, you see, do you see the glass half full or do you see it half empty? Mm -hmm. And it's almost always half empty. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get there. Not, not everyone. I don't want to say that this is everybody with ADHD has this. It's just that it's, it, it, you can easily fall into it. Well, and, and look at how we're wired to it, it, essentially like we are pessimism seeking missiles, right? First of all, we're impulsive. Mm -hmm. And so our brains naturally just respond rather than think first. Uh, and what are we responding to? We're responding to emotional dysregulation. We're responsible. To, uh, we're responding to the experience of, of intense emotions and having those magnified. If it's a critical experience, we're responding to RSD. And that right. is, I mean, we talk about that all the time, right? That, that intense, intense emotional response that we carry in baggage that we drag along behind us far longer than people who don't live with RSD. So we are wired for these experiences and to for a pessimistic outlook. It makes it hard to see through the veil of pessimism and discover that, you know what, things in the world objectively might not be as bad in, in your sphere than you're, mm -hmm. you're seeing mm -hmm. it. And, and I, I also think we're, you know, for those who are doing the work, you know, we, we know how to find our strengths, right? We, we know we have tools 
to look at the strengths that we bring and that that the vast diversity of our ADHD spectra actually allow us to unlock. And I think that's really important. We also may be more likely to have experience with a therapist. We may be in, investing mm-hmm. in CBT, you know, in, in behavioral therapy and, uh, and, you know, working to change repetitive thought spirals and, and those sorts of negative things. And so I think all of that sort of sets the stage for the the kind of perilous tightrope we're walking on um, between right. the positive and the negative. And one side, you fall off one side, you have a net and you can bounce back up and you fall off the other and you just hit the ground and it's really uncomfortable. Let's just say mm-hmm. it's probably not a high, high, you live, you know, when you right. hit the ground, but what yeah. a gross metaphor. Um, so right? uh, it, that's, that <laughs> sort of sets the stage for our ADG. And now, now it lets us talk a little bit more about some of the, some of the models that we're, that we're dealing with. And we've talked about Carol Dweck before. I, I know yes. we're big fans of Carol Dweck. Would you give us a, a bit of a background on Carol Dweck and what, what we love her for? Well, it's the growth mindset right, yeah. that she has uh, explained to us and and verse a fixed mindset. And uh, they did a whole presentation on this at one of the ADHD conferences one year. And I absolutely loved it. And uh, and I, I know I've shared this on the show before. Yes. My daughter's third grade teacher was all about growth mindset. And so everything in her room was about learning and growing. And, um, and my daughter at the time caught me having a fixed mindset and says, Mom, you can do hard things. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, that's right. Uh, but really what it's about is uh, people with a growth mindset believe that abilities and intelligence can be developed with effort, time, and practice, right? So with a growth mindset, you are embracing challenges as much as you can, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Uh, Persist in the face of setbacks and you're viewing your effort as a path to to mastery. So this is a lot of big words, Mm -hmm. but in I think the way that I look at it is the belief system. It does naturally. uh, It is a natural uh, optimistic viewpoint because it's not about sitting in failure. We don't want to be scared about failure. Mm -hmm. We want to grow from our experiences. We want to uh, evaluate what went well, what went wrong and what, what do I want to do different? Or maybe I don't want to do that at at all. Right. Right. So, but it's, it's coming in with more of an open mind and not judge, not judgy, not, not judgmental. Now, in contrast, people with a fixed mindset believe that the abilities and intelligence are largely fixed traits. This is just who I am. I can't do this. Um, they may avoid challenges. They give up very easily uh, and they see effort as being fruitless. So a fixed mindset can lead to more pessimistic views, especially in the face of dif- difficulty. Yeah. Life is happening to me. It It's all to me. Um, and so that gives you kind of yeah. an idea of of where we are with those two yeah, things. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and I think that's uh, that you're going to see that again in my favorite model, the one that I hadn't quite seen distilled the way it is. So this is a tease 
hang on because it's important. The, the next one I want to talk about is just the, the cognitive behavioral models, right? And cognitive behavioral models, we're just talking about, um, you know, how we form pessimistic versus optimistic views, right? These, the, they propose that our thoughts, our cognitions about events influence our emotional responses to them and our behaviors as a result. And um, this it, like when we're doing the work, this is when you hear people say you have to separate the emotion from the experience. The experience happened, mm -hmm. right? This is living in fact and truth. So here's the thing that happened. X happened. Y might be my response to it, my emotional response to it. And the the complication is when you include those in the same equation, that a thing happened and I have an emotional response to it and that that creates my worldview. The reality is this thing happened. And as you were talking about, even before we started the show proper, um, my emotional response to it is the thing that I can practice. I can I can make mm -hmm. choices around how I allow myself to be impacted by this thing. And it's not saying you have to just suddenly, you know, strip emotion from your being. It's saying you should target, like you should develop the practice of targeting emotion so that maybe you aren't as, um, uh, you aren't as impacted by events as, as you might be. And some of this, you mm -hmm. know, I, I made the, the comment last week, um, there was the parallel of the Tom, Dr. Uh, Tom Wolf, the executive function guy, and he made the, I think I may have done this in the post show. Uh, he, he was comparing ADHD to erectile dysfunction at a conference. And I love that oh, right. so much uh, because it's an act of like, it's not an act of will, right? Um, ADHD right. is not an act of will. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's in the brain. Well, some of this with, when you're dealing with emotional dysregulation, when I say, go ahead and make the choice not to respond so heavily to events, you're not going to be able to do that, right? If you're if if mm -hmm. you're dealing with deep emotional dysregulation, um, and yet, I think it's important to at least be aware of how cognitive behavioral models work and the fact that there is an event response reaction that is creating your worldview, and uh, that you you take part in it, you play an active role in um, you know in in the way you respond to things. And that's okay. Sometimes just being aware might be enough. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think the awareness piece is really important because it's true at the t during the time of that reaction, you may not feel like you have any control. Mm -hmm. But now that we're having this conversation and you're listening to us talk about it, you know, our listeners are more aware that this is something that that happens. And then I think at some point, if it's a pause or some kind of conversation you have with yourself later that evening that you can now think, okay, how do I want to respond now? Yes. What do I, how, what do I want to do with this experience mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. and, uh, and figure out what your next steps are. You can stay in it. Sure. Or you can learn, you know, how to, how to slowly come away from it. Um, mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I'll talk about this next week, but one of the uh, experiences from the Manifesting Joy class was uh, when you're grieving, how one phone call can change the your whole life. And how do you plan or not plan, but how do you get through that grief? How do you schedule that grief? And that at some point be able to find your way back to joy. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really interesting way of like 
compartmentalizing it, I guess, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, so, right. I think, you know, just going back to what you're saying is that what do I do with this yeah. after the initial reaction? Right. right. Yeah. I Did you, uh, you happen to watch, you were retreating, so you probably didn't, but Saturday Night Live this last week? back on the air not yet but i'm going to it's recorded pete davidson <laughs> pete davidson did a did a bit of a cold open where he was speaking specifically to the, mm. the catastrophic situation happening in the middle yes. east right now and one of the things he said really stuck with me which is his dad was killed i believe in 9 11 he he talks about it, it as was, a terrorist yeah, attack, he was. right and he said you know he's seven years old when this happened and he was his mom was driving home and thought that his mom thought that she bought him the b movie and instead bought him uh, Eddie Murphy's delirious and he's apparently in the backseat of the car and he's hearing he's hearing what Eddie Murphy is saying and she tries to take it away but realizes he's laughing for the first time and let him listen to delirious because it was such a surprise it was a corner around which she had not peeked that who knew what it would take to actually rediscover a little bit of personality in the face of grief and i think that's kind of what you're talking about obviously in a catastrophic situation but you never know if you take a beat and look around what is what it is that's going to allow you to find an anchor and taking a beat mm-hmm. means practicing when you're not stressed to actually take that beat and take a breath. It means doing it when you're not stressed so that when you are stressed, you know how and you don't think it's a ridiculous thing to do. Absolutely. And it goes back to awareness, right? It really goes back to what you're saying is, is understanding what is happening and, and, Knowing that when some when that phone call comes yeah. or you read or you turn on the news and you see breaking news, that you have a way that you know you can respond. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you do that or not is probably going to take some practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is that awareness. And I'm so glad that we're talking about yeah. it. Well, this leads us to the the uh, third model I want to talk about. And this one. I found on Quora, and it was somebody who is restating a different model. And I hadn't gotten to the bottom of that model when we recorded the All the Feelings episode. So this is essentially mm. Pete fin- figuring out where the work came from. So if you listen to that episode, this will answer some questions. The poster was Philly. This is like exclusive, is. exclusive. material. Right. Right. Makes me want to re-record the whole damn thing that I did over there, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> of course it does. The uh, Leap Cross was the original poster on on Quora and was was talking about this model of how we internalize or externalize blame and shame and leading to optimism versus pessimism. And what Philippe was actually doing was reframing Martin Seligman's theory of learned helplessness. Now, Martin took the theory of learned helplessness and then reformulated that model and turned it into explanatory style theory. So are you with me? This is big. I am. This is all Martin. Marty, old Marty Seligman. Now here's what... He's changed the theory. He's changed the theory. And this is what I found on on Quora had been been reframed. But I like this a lot. Uh, Explanatory style is a way in which people explain to themselves why they experience a particular event, either positive or negative. 
Now, according to Seligman, there are three dimensions to explanatory styles. One, personalization. So what does personalization mean? When bad things happen, do I blame myself internal or do I blame the world external? Right. So the scale is internal to external and you're usually somewhere on that scale. So that's personalization. Number two is permanence. Do we see this situation as unchangeable? So it's stable. It's fixed. You can't change it. Or is it changeable? That means it's unstable. So stable, unstable is the next the next spectrum. And finally, pervasiveness. Do we see the situation as affecting all aspects of our life? So it's totally global. Or is it affecting just one specific area? Okay, so personalization, permanence, pervasiveness. Are you with me? I am. People with pessimistic explanatory style internalize blame, view bad events Mm -hmm. as permanent and pervasive and good events as temporary and specific to only certain areas of their lives. It is usually associated with feelings of helplessness and is pretty directly linked to depression. I think you can maybe see why. On the other hand, people with optimistic explanatory style externalize blame, view bad events as temporary and specific and good events as permanent and pervasive. So it's just the opposite. And it's it's a style that is associated with resilience and overall well-being and good health and all of these things. Now, we are not all on one end of either of these spectrums, and it's totally individual and totally dependent on the event itself. Right. Right. But. I think we should go through some examples. And I, I'm looking at one. Just say you're you're a student because I was one and I felt this <laughs> a lot. Let's just say uh, I am a pessimist and I just failed an exam, right? I probably think I am stupid. That, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at this as internal personalization. I probably think I'm going to fail all my exams. So permanence is stable. This is an unchangeable existence. And, you know, as a result of it being my fault and the fact that I'm sure I'm going to fail all my exams, I will never find a job or a career because this is global. The pervasiveness is global. It's not specific. Right. So you can kind of see how each of those statements, those three statements combine to build a worldview about that event. On the other hand, an optimist is more likely to think, hey, I did the best I could. It's external. I did what I could with the material that I had. I'm sure I'll do better on my next exam. It's unstable. That means the permanence is changeable. I can do better. This was one thing, one moment in time. And it's just a blip. It was specific, not global, right? I'm going to find a career because this was one thing. And in the long arc of history, this will evaporate because I'll be better elsewhere. That is an example of of what it means to to look at the three sort of constituent elements, personalization, permanence and pervasiveness and see optimism. Right. To look at the world and see there's something that we can do to change. And back to Philip Cross, who the original uh, poster, I, I really like the way he says this. In this case, my view is, of course, the only one possible. The glass, speaking of glass being half full or half empty, the glass mm-hmm. is always full, part mm-hmm. with air, other part with liquid but always full. And I think that's Mm -hmm. actually a really powerful way to look at 
uh, what it means to be an optimist. The glass is always full. It might not always be full with, you know, what you think it is, but it's always full. Okay, so before I move on, what do you think about this model? I love it. And I'm going to copy it and paste it in a safe place so I can talk to my clients about it. It makes it so much because I think it's so important. Yeah, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Yeah. And I think it's good reminders. Like, you know, when you're when I'm hearing as a coach, anyway, as I'm hearing things in a conversation, I I can look for this and say, okay, is this internal or external and ask them, you know, are you blaming yourself? Or is this an outside force? I mean, I think there's a lot of um, coaching things that can come from this for sure. Is this stable? Is it unstable? And having them look at that and, and for listeners really think about like, these three pieces, is it global or is it specific? Because really everything is temporary, at least in my opinion. 100%, yeah. Everything is temporary. And uh, one of the things I learned on my mindful retreat is that the past doesn't matter and the future doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what's happening right yeah. now and what you do in this moment. Yeah, I, I think that's hugely important. And what I, what I love about this model and why it is it's been so meaningful for me because i'm somebody who lives with obsessive thought patterns right like i mm-hmm. i that's how my anxiety manifests and that can put me in a deep spiral but that sort of catastrophic thinking is attacked with this model because it allows me Absolutely to break down is. every thought into its atomic elements and start to chip away at it right as long as i make it a practice when i'm not feeling compromised, then when I am compromised, I have an easier time grabbing that rope ladder and climbing out of it. And that is, Mm -hmm. I think, the most important part. Is it is it am I blaming myself or am I blaming the world? Am I do I see it as unchangeable or changeable? And is it affecting all of my life around me or just one area specifically? And depending on where the, the dots end up on that spectrum, I can actually control my reaction to it. Now, This leads me to my final point. Are you ready for my final point? I am ready. This is speaking directly to optimism in the face of, hey, you know what? The world's kind of crap right now, right? That's, Mm -hmm. we hear that. This is is a, a, a frame called intelligent optimism. And intelligent optimism, I think, sprung up out of the sort of techno optimist sphere, right? That we we have the technology to make change in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. but but I really do like the way it it frames because it's not Pollyanna, right? I really like mm-hmm. the idea of of it, and I think it stems from understanding explanatory style. Intelligent optimism is all about being excited about the future in an informed and rational way, right? So what we're saying is we can, we know things are bad. We have data to prove certain elements are hard, but we also recognize the tremendous potential that we have collectively to find solutions to those problems, okay? And, you know, I I started going down this rabbit hole of like, look, the world economy is amazing and mortality rates have dropped a ton. And you know what? We can edit genes now. Like we can cure massive diseases uh, and uh, teen births are plummeting and climate change sucks. But you know, remember CFCs when we were kids? Like we did a lot of amazing work around the globe on ozone. We can marshal 
marshal the same sort of thinking today. Global elect, uh, access to electricity is at a point where we're we're actually talking about 100% electrification of the planet, putting light in places where light has never existed. Uh, and, and so there's a lot that we're doing that's really good, but we forget about it because the news cycle and the choices that we make around what the signals that we let in frost over a lot of of real good that we're doing. So intelligent optimism, according to uh, Raya Bidshahari, uh, says that we're recognizing that many problems we are faced with, we're acknowledging that we can solve them just as we have overcome many other challenges in the past. I think part of the problem, if we bring it down to our lives, is that when we achieve something great, uh, that we move on right? As if we're finished. Mm -hmm. And part of the optimist's mindset is making it a practice. This is a mantra. It is to imagine we are never finished, right? We solve part of a problem, we celebrate it, and move on to solving the next. So optimism for me is we cannot ever forget that we can solve the next problem too. Mm -hmm. That's my pitch around intelligent optimism. I love it. I don't know. That's where I am right now. That This is peak yes. learning in real time. I hope that it is useful and inspirational to somebody out there because, man, look at what we can do. Look at what we can do. Absolutely. If we just try to solve the Absolutely. next problem. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you, Pete. You're welcome so much. We win this the podcast. Great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you uh, letting me uh, talk about this stuff and uh, encouraging me to bring some of the all the feelings research over. If you want to hear essentially the other side of this conversation, jump over to uh, allthefeelings.fun and you can hear me and Tommy talking about this too. Make sure you put that in the oh, show notes. Oh, he has, he has a story. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, this story. Does he? Yeah, he really, really does. So anyhow. Oh, good. I want to hear I it. thank you everybody for hanging out. We sure appreciate your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the Deluxe level or better. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm -hmm.